William Grimes called Paul Violi a poetic reporter and a parodist, always on the alert for the telling encounter, the ripe bit of urban speech, and whose elegiac or lyrical flights inevitably took a sudden absurdist turn. Welcome to The Poet's Weave. I'm Romaine Rubinus Dorsey. Today I'm reading poems by Paul Violi from Fracas, published by Hanging Loose Press in 1999. Born in Brooklyn in 1944, Violi wrote 11 books of poetry. Widely published and anthologized, he received two National Endowment for the Arts fellowships as well as numerous grants. Until his death in April 2011, he was on the faculty of Columbia University and the New School's graduate writing program. Protracted Argumentation As Voltaire advised, first define crucial terms. Doing so often obviates further disagreement. Nanosecond, the time the cab driver behind you waits after the light turns green before blasting his horn. Clockwise, when you take the time to get out of your car, walk back to his and ask just what it is you could do to help him out, whatever he has in mind. Clarify any problems with language, verbal or gestural, provide directions, literal or metaphorical, or, in the interest of fellowship, accept more general inquiries on subjects that concern or vex us all. Propose the nature of time itself as the perfect topic to get things rolling again. Suggest that the apparent crisis become an opportunity to resolve some of those paradoxes that exasperate all who labor under unrelenting urgency. Point out that in order to cross the intersection, he must first get halfway there, and to do that, he must get halfway to the halfway point, and to do that, he must get halfway to the halfway point to the halfway point, and so on. So, in fact, he can never even start. Suggest another, perhaps equally enlightening point of view. If he were to try to catch up to you, he must first reach the spot from where you took off, and by then you will have proceeded further, and he'll have to reach that spot, only to find you're still further beyond him, etc., rendering his efforts to overtake you, even if you're turtling across Canal Street, forever futile. Consider that any consideration of the indivisibly finite and the infinitely divisible will form a vice that will crush the very life out of him right then and there unless you both deal with the proposition that since anything, say a measly Honda or a flaming yellow cab that appears to be flying across an intersection, any object, because it always has to be occupying a space equal to itself, can't be doing that and moving simultaneously, then the very idea of motion is nullified. Advise him that, consequently, it makes no sense to compound the illusion by pretending to measure it with an arbitrary system of numbers or colors, these embellishments that are supposed to remind us there's a time to go and a time to beep, when in truth the giver of warmth and consolation, the sun, is perishing at the very moment you speak, if there is such a thing as a moment. The glorious sun, a mere flicker amidst flickering worlds, Explain how the end of all his imagining is to see a sneaking suspicion collide with a numbing certainty, that beyond the blue afternoon sky, beyond the darkness squeezing the light out of puny stars, lies a nothingness even that darkness cannot fill, a destination he can call transcendence if he still thinks there was ever anything to transcend to begin with, driving for all he's worth into that blazing wisp of his own extinction, knowing it is the light he was born for, it is regret he honks his horn for. At the Ministry of Commerce The enormous jubilant work, an altarpiece of sorts, that celebrates the miracle of the merchants, 
the ones who succeeded with the application of a barrel of oil in squeezing a camel through the eye of a needle, is thought to be a forgery. The two-figured statue in the foyer is, notably, the only work from the school of Trambusto that contains decipherable captions, that is, original captions, not inscriptions added later by enthusiastic observers. The curiously appropriated figures have been identified as St. Augustine and St. Jerome. The former explains, knowledge provides us with a basis for comparison and judgment. The latter concurs, you ain't seen nothing till you've seen a dead whale on a flat car. The extended open right palms of both figures, their most prominent feature, can hold candies or dry snacks, monetary donations, or soap. Over the years, reports have stated that certain visitors, supplicants from the ranks of both high and low, some so humble they didn't know the names of their own fathers, have stood before this statue and been transported. When they recovered these visionaries found they had experienced an effect not unlike stigmata, for their palms were now smeared with grease. Even more wondrous, many witnesses to these events have simply vanished. At the Chapel Cardinal Finale Here is a painting on wood by an unknown hand of hardy fishermen in an open boat hauling a cow out of the Bay of Naples. This painting smells, an unfortunate odor no one can eradicate or name. Here, too, is a painting of the Savior from whose eyes many have attested they have seen real tears fall, and I for one believe it to be so, for I have heard this said of other paintings, and recalling how they are all so unbelievably bad, so poorly executed, I have concluded that it is the painter's utter ineptitude that has made their very subjects weep. Such is the miraculous power of art." You've been listening to poetry by Paul Violi on The Poet's Weave. I'm Romaine Rubinus-Dorsey. You can visit The Poet's Weave online at wfiu.org slash poetsweave.